0: Uh, this morning we're going to look on the subject of peace and we're going to look at the type of peace that God would have Christians to have as Frank had read for us earlier this morning in Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 Paul is writing to the church there in Philippi and he says be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. We're supposed to put our, our thoughts and our, our, our requests to God and not worry about things. God's telling us to have a peace and not worry about, don't worry about those things, especially the things of the world. Uh, He doesn't want us to worry. He does not want us to be afraid. And so this would pass all understanding. We live in a world of chaos. So how can Christians walk through it peacefully? See, God says you can do it, and it's through your faith. It is a result of our faith in God and his son Jesus that we can have this peace that God desires us, us to have. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. When Paul's running to the church at Colossae. He says and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. See this peace of God that is promised to only those in the body of Christ. See because when you're not in the body of Christ you are at war with God. You're an enemy of God. Because you're serving Satan and you're not serving the true God. But when you obey the gospel, you have been uh, justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, and so those sins that you had done in your past life are not going to be held against you at at the day of judgment. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at when Jesus walked on water. Matthew chapter 14, verse 21, to, to understand what had just happened, and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. And so we know this is the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, notice it said had eaten, so it's past tense. Uh, this had just taken place. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. And so Jesus was desiring his disciples to get in a ship. And while he sends the one who had eaten away. Uh, We're going to see the reason why uh, as we continue our study. But but Jesus is sending his disciples and telling them to get in a ship. To go go by themselves. And he's going to stay and handle the multitudes. In John chapter 6 verse 17 in John's account. And entered into a ship. And so now we can see where they're going to go. And went over to sea towards Capernaum. And it was now dark. And Jesus was not come to them. Matthew chapter 14 verse 23. And when he, Jesus, had sent the multitudes away. He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So we notice that when he went to the mountain. It was Uh, perhaps still daylight. And uh, in John's account, we can see that when John's talking about it, it is already in the the time of darkness. But Jesus is going to the mountain to be alone. And so often when we're reading uh, in the accounts of the gospel, we read Jesus separating himself to pray, to be alone. But why did he do it this time? John chapter 6, verse 15 when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again onto a mountain, uh, into a mountain himself alone. And so Jesus could perceive that the people were going to make him a earthly king and take him by force and that was not God's plan. Remember Jesus <laughs> says, my kingdom is not of this world. For if it was of this world, then my servants would fight. Jesus being deity knew the thoughts of man. And so this passage here clearly is is proving that Jesus is the son of God. That he is deity. In John chapter 2 verses 24 and 25. This would be after the wedding feast. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Because he knew all men. And he needed not that any should testify man. For he knew what was in man. Jesus is all knowing. Because he is deity. He is God in the flesh. In Matthew chapter 14 verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Tossed with waves. For the wind was contrary. And so they had made a great distance from the shore from where Jesus had sent them off. And it's being tossed to and fro by these waves because the wind is contrary. And so we can see here a great storm blowing in. And the waves are increasing in size and tossing the ship. In Mark chapter 6 verse 48, in Mark's account, And he, talking about Jesus, saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And so this was not just a breeze. It was a mighty storm. And so if this ship had sails, as we had seen in the uh, book of Acts, when Paul, when they were in that, that storm, how they had to take the sails down so that the storm would not rip their sails apart, and they had to begin rowing. Well, this is the same thing that the disciples are going under. They're having to row to fight the winds and fight the waves. In John chapter 6, verse 18, And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. That word toiling there comes from the Greek word. It means to torture, pain, toil, torment, toss, vex. And so we get an idea of what the agony that these men are going through. This rowing was pure torture through their bodies, causing severe pain. John chapter 6, verse 19. So when they rowed about 5 and 20 or 30 furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh onto the ship, and they were afraid. And so from this passage, we want to just see the great distance that they have been rowing. A furlong is about 220 yards. 25 to 30 furlongs would be between 5,500 to 6,600 yards. Let's put this in terms that we understand. 16,500 to 19,800 feet. Well, now we can get in, we can see it was miles that they've been rowing. Because there's 5,280 feet in a mile. And so they have been rowing 3.125 miles to 3.75 miles. They have been rowing and toiling. They have been doing this for a long time. Fighting this storm. Matthew chapter 14 verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on to them walking on the sea. And so now we know what time that Jesus left the mount to head towards these disciples. And so in Mark verse 13, verse 35, we can see the, the different watches of the night. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. At evening, first watch. Or at midnight, second watch. Or at the cock crowing, third watch. Or right at daybreak in the morning and so Jesus is coming right before daybreak and so these men had left in the daytime but here they've been struggling with the storm all night and all day I, well all night not all day all night they've been struggling with the storm I'm getting ahead of myself Matthew chapter 14 verse 26 but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled worried afraid Saying it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. They didn't know that it was Jesus who was walking towards them. They knew that it was a, they just thought it was a spirit coming for them, and so they are crying out with fear. Mark chapter 6, verse 50. Where they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them. He could see the concern in their eyes. And so, and saith unto them, be of good cheer, it is I. He identifies himself as Jesus. Be not afraid. He's telling them, do not worry, do not be fearful, be of good cheer. And so Jesus immediately comforts them, confirming it is himself. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Peter had forgotten that great storm. See, Jesus is walking on this water in this storm. Chaos. And Peter has forgotten about that storm. The very storm that he was toiling with just earlier. And now he's wanting to come out on those troubled waters. Why does he have that fear? Why is he at peace? Because his focus is on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. The writer of the book of Hebrews says. Looking on to Jesus. That's what we are to do. We are to look towards Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have to keep our focus on Jesus to have that peace that God would have us to have. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, and he, Jesus said, come. And was when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And so we can clearly see that Peter too was able to walk on water. Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, when Peter looked, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started looking at the wind and he started looking at the storm, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. And so when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he became afraid. Worry and doubt entered Peter's mind and he began to sink. We too can take our eyes off of Jesus and we too can fall from God's grace because we do not stay focused on God and on Jesus and we begin to sink because we worry about the cares of this world that's swirling around us. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses, that would be those men and great men and women of faith in chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight, worry, care, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Peter let the cares of the world around him beset him from reaching Jesus on the sea. That great storm. But here we can see it is more than just sin that caused us to lose our salvation. It can be the what? Cares of the world that's swirling around us. The storms of life that are around us. In Mark chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 the great parable of the sower of the seed, And these are they which are sown among the thorns such as hear the word and what? The cares of the world. And the deceitful of riches. And the lust of other things entering in. And so it's cares. And then we know the love, of, the love of money is the root of all evil. And then the lust. Well, the lust would be the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The, the things that, the very three avenues of sin, they start entering into our work, world and then they choke the word which we have heard and it becomes what? Unfruitful. However, if we fall and ask for God's help, we can overcome and be saved again walking on that path to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 14, verse thirty. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, "Lord, save me!" First John chapter one verse nine. John writes, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." This is not for the alienated sinner. first John chapter 1 verse 7 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ the son cleanses us from all sin it requires one that walked in the light already one that is already in fellowship with God and because because they are in the blood of Christ and so that goes back to that peace that can be found only in the body of Christ Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And so here we can see that Jesus puts his hand out and grabs a hold of Peter, lifting him from the water. But what was the true reason Peter failed? Why did Peter sink? Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? His faith was not strong enough to overcome the storm because he let doubt creep in. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at the storm and he became weak. Mark chapter 6, verse 51, in Mark's account. And he went up onto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. In Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 14, verses 32 and 33, we see, and when they. And so Mark's account says, when Jesus went into the ship, but then here we can see that it was when Jesus and Peter went into the ship the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Because Jesus walked on water, they worshipped him as the Son of God. And so here we can see the purpose of the miracle. But, notice what... What's said about these disciples. Mark chapter 6 verse 52. For they considered not the miracles of the loaves. For their heart was hardened. Why were they in amazement and wonderment? He had just fed 5,000 from three loaves. And four tiny. I, I, I probably missed. But from very little food. And he was able to feed the multitudes. A great number. And so the Bible says, for they considered not what he had just done because their heart was not right. It was hardened. They didn't have the right faith, the right heart that God has desired for his people. He had done that true miracle before they got on the boat. And their faith should have been strong when the storm approached. And they would not have let hearts of fear, but would have had hearts at peace. If faith is required for peace, then what will help us maintain our faith? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to go back to this passage again. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him and endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, He is the beginning and the finisher of our faith. Without Jesus Christ, we have have nothing to look forward to. We're going to be talking about hope. Because Jesus had a hope. The joy that was set before him, where was that joy found? It was found before the throne of God. The finish line of our faith is the joy of heaven. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so this is the definition of faith. And it says it's the things that we hope for that keeps us on track. uh, It is our hope of heaven. In Hebrews 6, verse 18, the writer writes, By by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter into that within the veil. When life storms come, it is our hope that helps us stay focused on God, that we may achieve the location within the veil, the most holy place here be in heaven. Without our hope, we're going to be tossed to and fro by these life storms. God says you maintain your eye, your focus on the hope that's before you, and your faith will be stay true to me. And you will have great peace in this world of chaos. It is the ones outside of Christ with no hope that is most miserable when the difficulties of life come. Think about this. I didn't put it in here, but when we were studying on the the Exodus out of Egypt. The children of Israel, they were very fearful before they entered into the Red Sea. Remember, they were fearing their life. God uh, blew that wind. There's walls of water. They're being led by that fire. And they go in without fear. They push forward, even though they could see these great walls of water. The Egyptians come in in darkness because the cloud was before the Israelites as light, but it was darkness to the Egyptians. They're walking into that same same situation. When God exposed what was around them, they had fear and terror. What was the difference? The difference is the Israelites were his chosen people and the people behind them were the ones that he promised to destroy. When you're outside of Christ, there is a promise to you that you will have eternal damnation. For those that are in Christ, we have that hope of that home in heaven because God has promised it. Who cannot lie? Titus chapter 1 verse 2. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12, when Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, that at that time you were without Christ. And so he's talking to uh, before someone became Christians, but he's talking specifically to Gentiles, being aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. An alien sinner is without Christ. Without Christ, you're without God. And without God, you cannot be a partaker peter- of eternal life, which God promised to the faithful. Therefore, you have no hope. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, when Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or, or have uh, died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Those that, that die in Christ have hope. Those that die outside of Christ have no hope. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and what? And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be. With the Lord. Those in Christ will forever be with the Lord if they're found faithful at the end of this journey. First Thessalonians 4, 4 verse 18, Paul says, Wherefore comfort, have peace one another with these words. When a faithful brother or sister in Christ passes away, don't be sorrowful have peace knowing that they will be with the Lord. Luke chapter 16, verse 22. We're going to see a little glimpse of that peace when someone passed from the walks of this life. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And so here we have two men that had died, the beggar Lazarus and the rich man. Luke chapter 16, verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, talking to the rich man, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he who, Lazarus, is comforted, and thou art tormented. Lazarus was in paradise, the very place all that die in Christ will be awaiting the judgment. And so he's saying, don't be sorrowful. They are in comfort. Be sorrowful for those that never obey the gospel of Christ for they will be as that rich man. Luke chapter 16, verse 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, the rich man. Being in torment and see if Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And from this passage, I see there's even more torture because he could see Lazarus. We don't read of anything where Lazarus could look upon the beggar. I mean, look upon the rich man. And so that's more torment that we're seeing here. And then. Two, the rich man could remember that he had family members that were going to be lost. So much torment that could be avoided. John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus is speaking here to his, his disciples. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Be at peace. Don't worry. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And so your faith in God and Jesus should bring you peace. John chapter 14, verse 2 In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is preparing a home in heaven for those in Christ. John chapter 14, verse 3 And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into unto myself, that where I am, there you may also be. He will receive us where? Receive you in that cloud, that you may ever be with the Lord. If you lack the peace God desires you to have, it may be from a lack of faith or a lack of focus, but it's going to rob you of your hope. And so this morning, if there's any that are not a child of God, We invite you to become one this morning. It starts by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. That's the only way that you can have faith. Your faith is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John 20, 30, and 31. But when you start learning the teachings of Jesus, then you will see that your way of life is in error and you need to make corrections along the way. Well, that's where repentance comes in. That is a change of heart that produces a change of life. Jesus says without repentance we will perish. Luke 13, 3 and 5. And then we must confess him before men. Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33. Just as the evening and the get in Acts chapter 8 verse 37. And then you must allow someone to immerse you into water. That is to bury you with Christ. To have your sins washed away. Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. That you may put Christ on, be clothed with Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And then at that time you're added to the one body. You can have that great peace that God desires you to have. Acts two forty-seven. And then we are told we must live faithful until death. We must keep our focus on Jesus and we not, must not look at the storms of life and begin to sink must remain steadfast and sure in the faith revelation two ten, and jesus has promised to give us that crown of life at the day of judgment if perhaps you are a child of god but perhaps your focus has become lost along the way uh, that you've erred some you've caused uh, reproach upon the body of christ uh, you can have prayer said on your behalf if perhaps it's something just be uh, it's a, a private sin you can go to God at any hour and ask Him for forgiveness. If you, and, and He is just to forgive you if you truly repent of that sin. If we can help you in either way, if you'll come to front us together, we stand and sing the song of encouragement.